0: I am extremely excited today. You're gonna to have a 2-4 interview on two of the most important subjects really that face you as an entrepreneur. Number one, marketing. Marketing makes a huge difference. Now we always think of sales. You know, sales is getting, you know, where you have to call people. Well, if you're a really good marketer and we've got a remarkable one here today, they call you. You're gonna have some great insights from someone who's helped uh, one of the top, uh, really social media platforms, have huge success. He was chief marketing officer there. In addition, he's reinventing himself a bit, not only from the marketing perspective, but he's helping blockchain companies as a virtual CMO really accelerate their success too. Well, many of us don't even really understand what blockchain is, you know, we've heard of Bitcoin and that, so that's where the two-four comes in. Uh, Jeremy Epstein is going to make a huge difference in your life stay tuned you don't want to miss this I'm John Bowen CEO of AES Nation remember it's all about accelerating your success you do not want to miss this stay tuned ordinary success no way you want amazing remarkable exceptional breakthroughs dig deep Think bold, drive hard, watch yourself soar beyond your dreams. AES Nation, Jeremy. I am so excited to have you here today. Uh, you know, as Chief Marketing Officer, uh, Sprinkler. I mean, you made a huge impact. It's a great, or it was it is a great social platform. But in addition to that, you're out reinventing yourself and helping all these other entrepreneurs. So I wanted to grab you to share. So first of all, thank you for joining us today.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Well, you know, and let's let's dive in. You, you've got a checkered past, as all marketing people have
1: here. <laughs> very <laughs> no, checkered, very yeah, sketchy.
0: You know, one of the things that I, I really want to do, because uh, you know, this is something every entrepreneur is interested in—the the marketing. You know, how can I be more effective and really getting those people to call me? You know, the right people to attract that endless stream of pre-qualified clients or customers. But we're also hearing a lot about blockchain, and none of us want to be kind of uh, miss a trend or you know some a hard trend, not a kind of a soft fad that's going to come and go, but. You and I are in agreement, this is going to be big. We just don't know exactly yet what it's going to be. But to tell, give us a little bit of the backstory of how you got to where you are today.
1: Well, I'll try to compress it, and thank you for having me, and uh, it's an honor to be here. And I'm very jealous of your 80-degree Silicon Valley weather. I'm sitting here on the East Coast. We have our first big snowstorm of the season, so um, I'm doubly jealous of how awesome you are on multiple levels. But let's start here. So one of the things – so I'm passionate about a couple things. I'm passionate about disruptive technologies. I'm passionate about uh, people And relationships and communicating the value of those technologies to those people. And that's why I sort of discovered marketing as my calling 20 years ago when I lived uh, in Tokyo, Japan. And over the time, as I lived in Germany and Japan and New York, and and now I live in the DC area, which, as I told you earlier, is kind of like walking around in the Twilight Zone, but that's another podcast maybe. Um, You know, I've really been passionate about helping you know, discover some of these technologies and then um, bring them to the mainstream. So as you alluded to, most recently I was with a Sprinkler, which is a, uh, a leading social media management system or management platform uh, in the world, specifically for large companies. I joined the company when there were 30 people, uh, Series A, 20 million or so valuation. Uh, today the company has 1,400 people and is valued at one8 Billion so uh, obviously didn't do it all by myself had an amazing team and amazing product um, and really enjoyed that and You know learned a lot there, which I'm happy to share But then you know my passion as I said is taking these technologies uh, You know or these new technologies to the mainstream so once I sort of saw that social was sort of more mainstream and everybody knows What these things are I was like all right, what's the next big thing? So you mentioned Bitcoin. I've had it for about four years now or so but about a year ago I started to like dig in and pull it back and I discovered that just like you know email is an application that runs on an in, on the internet, Bitcoin is an application that runs on a blockchain and once I started to understand the fundamentals of blockchain technology, namely that through this network based uh, consensus model that's secure and cryptographic and distributed, that two parties that don't necessarily know or trust each other can exchange items of value without a centralized intermediary all of a sudden i was like oh my god this thing is ginormous and i got that flutter in my heart that i've only had two other times in my professional life my wife may or may not listen to the podcast but (laughs) you know the i got when i got email in 1991 when i started blogging in 2000 and when i figured out blockchain i was like this thing is like a tsunami of disruption 50 miles off the coast. Most of us don't know it's coming. And any business that, just like the internet, you know, and people said, you know, I'm never going to have a web page. I'm never going to use email. We're never going to use Facebook. We're never going to use Twitter. Those all went away. You made a great point. This is not sort of a, momentary like Google buzz thing this is not something that's good or you know meerkat this is a huge fundamental disruption for any business that's relying on being a trusted third-party broker and how uh information moves around and I was like I gotta get in on this you know right now and so I've spent the last year or so uh diving into it and uh, now I work with some of the leading startups, including Open Bazaar, who I'm repping here um, and uh, helping them and and think about their marketing and learning about this technology. So uh, this disruption wave is going to be as big, if not bigger, than the Internet original. Um, and I'm just trying to understand it. And I think everybody needs to sort of start uh, taking an insurance policy out on them future selves and their and their businesses so that they don't get blindsided like happened, as you well know, to many people. So hopefully that's a good kind of broad brush. This
0: is a great, I mentioned before we turned on the camera, you know, a good friend, Peter Diamandis. We've got an interview with him on AES Nation as well. But I'm in Peter's mastermind group and uh, Peter's two-time New York Times bestseller, uh, uh, Bold and uh, Abundance. And Peter is really big on trying to predict trends. And uh, I was just with him a couple months ago at his mastermind group. And, you know, the, the he's been following Bitcoin. I mean, he's actually the one that pushed me the most. And I'm going mm-hmm. back. He's involved. He's the co-founder with uh, Ray uh, Kurzweil of Singularity University. And having, you know, uh, in June of this year, uh, the and every June they do uh, uh, exponential uh, finance exponential. I forgot the exact name, but it's a financial. And Bitcoin is always a big thing. And it's, it's you know, it's one of the things that um, I want to do, though. You know, I, I want to come back to that. And I, I want to get into marketing because you've been really helping so many companies explode in success. And Jeremy, but let's just real quick go backwards from Bitcoin and go sure. to what is kind of blockchain type, you know, the, the concept of it. Uh, and then... Then uh, I want to go and uh, really talk just for a second on Bitcoin. Where are you seeing it likely to be used uh, going mm-hmm. forward? Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. It's your show. We can do. Yeah, it I know. We, well, we got a few people <laughs> hanging out with us here, and you know, one of the things I always think of this. This is a conversation, Jeremy, I would have with you, and we might as well invite right. 10,000 of our friends to hang out with us because this That's is true. so important. Right. It
1: definitely is. It definitely is. Yeah, no, I agree. So you're right. At at its fundamental layer, you know, blockchain is a shared ledger, a shared spreadsheet, almost, if you will, of transactions that everybody has access to. So imagine we all have a a local version of Excel with data in it. But that, that data we know for a fact that what you're seeing on your Excel spreadsheet is exactly what I'm seeing which we know doesn't happen now, but imagine that. And then imagine that once uh, a, a transaction is entered into, say, line 17 of Excel, it's timestamped, and it's cryptographically secured so that it can't be altered, and it's linked to line 16, 15, 14. So that creates, it creates a great deal of security so no one individual person can actually change any entries in the ledger, which is the foundation of trust. We all need to know who owns what asset at what time, right? That's the role that banks and mortgage insurance companies and all these people play right now. So at its fundamental layer, it's a distributed uh, or the fundamental um, element is it's a distributed ledger of transactions that are time-stamped cryptographically secured, cryptographically linked to the previous ones, which makes it um, very or near impossible to rewrite history and is decentralized, which removes risk. Because think of all these hacks right now. That's because they're all the information's in one place. Uh, it removes time because. Everybody's got a copy. We don't have to go check. Let me check with the bank. Let me check with the broker. And it removes cost because you don't need to pay somebody else to maintain all that information. Um, and because it's digital, it's programmable. So you can assign business and legal rules to it. So the basic most important thing is everybody has a copy of the ledger we know that everybody else's copy of the ledger looks exactly the way ours does. And we feel confident and we have consensus about the state of the ledger of whatever it is, whether it's, you know, pork bellies or diamonds or, or gold or stocks or whatever. We all know where everything stands and everybody's in consensus about that.
0: So let me stop you here for a second, just a quick check in because you know, I want to make sure everybody's with us. Cause this is so important. What's what's happening is You know, imagine, you know, any business record keeping. okay? anyone that's being paid to manage information, you know, whether Mm -hmm. it's the title company, whether it's the insurance company, whether it's the bank, so on, you know, the and and some of those organizations are making an awful lot of money for managing this information. All of a sudden now there's a more secure way that's almost frictionless, and Jeremy, where where do you see, you know, this, you know, the early adapters of this
1: technology likely to be? So, I'll answer. I want to answer that, but I want to take a step back because, what's, if I may, because I think you made you made an, a very important point, which is imagine you don't need any of those people. Now, the foundation for business is trust. If I don't trust you, I'm not gonna buy from you and you're not gonna buy from me and so on and so forth. So we've, over the last thousands of years, outside of doing business with the five or eight people who you trust implicitly, you're never gonna go to deal with more and more people unless you have some way to trust them, which is what the role of these third party intermediaries has been. Now, the concept of blockchain could have existed or a decentralized ledger existed for a while. But it could not actually be implemented until you had a few things. A lot of people connected to a global network, right? Now we have two billion people connected to the internet. People connected at really high speeds. Broadband affordability in the G twenty on down is pretty pretty much there. And now you have five billion devices. You know, we all talk about how the smartphones are more powerful than the rockets of the moon. Now we have these that can run this. So even if theoretically existed. 20 years ago it couldn't be implemented but about nine years ago we hit that tipping point where all of these things happen so it's weird to say to your listeners all 10,000 people hey the history of the world was one way until nine years ago and now it's different but that's exactly what I'm saying now it's different and that's why this is a massive trend and so that's where it's going to start accelerating. So to your point, the the obvious place, you know, the people who are trying to take advantage of this first, sorry man, I get really passionate. I don't mean to yell or anything. and The coffee's kicking in, but I just I love this stuff. Well, I this just is, think it's so This disruptive. is a
0: this is a big yeah. deal because it is. It's a huge deal. It's and, a huge deal. And, I mean, well, so, let me just add one thing, Jeremy. You know, I, I just closed on a house recently out of state in Florida. And right. you know, they and I was selling it and and I I, I got to tell you that I would in a second trust the blockchain transaction right. with anybody over the escrow company. I mean, it's just- Think about that. Yeah, you had I mean,
1: 70 just... pieces of paper to sign. All of them are basically, you know, the lien, the taxes for the county or the more, all that are basically third parties that in a blockchain world, you don't need. Okay, yeah. now I feel bad for those people who are gonna be out of jobs, but the amount of time, money and effort that you're gonna save as a result of that, You know mind blown. So you're right. So I think you're gonna see you're already seeing this in financial services You know you're seeing in insurance, you know I I was talking to one of the leading insurance analysts in America and he said 30% of the premiums that we pay to insurance companies just go to overhead like keeping the lights on coffee What have you there's an insure there's a company called lemonade that runs an insurance based uh, a blockchain based insurance uh, company they paid a claim the other day in three seconds Okay, it takes me three seconds to find the 800 number. You know, three seconds. There's a company called Ripple that does uh, international payment settlements between banks. They transfer money from Canada to Germany in eight seconds. Okay, you know, these, the well, FinServe world is well, a no-brainer.
0: Let, yeah, let's and let's just stop on the uh, the transfer of payments. I mean, we, you know, we're, we've got a new uh, administration, and right. you know new rules coming in and so on but the amount of money i'm just uh, i'm in california so mexico is a significant deal out here and the issues going on the amount right. of money being transferred to mexico and what the you know the 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 individuals here in the states whether legal or illegal sending the, that money the fees they're paying to do it's that obscene. security i mean Yeah, it's not unusual to see uh, charges for small dollar amounts of seven or 8%. So, I mean, you know, you know, all of a sudden, you know, we, we kind of struggle with applications of this. I mean, there's just so many out there to be done.
1: You're right. I mean, if you send money, I pulled out on Western unions chart the other day. If you want to send $40 somewhere, you have to pay a $13 fee. I told my cleaning lady, I'm like, she sends money back to Honduras. I was like, you should get on Bitcoin. <laughs> like, I mean, it's a no-brainer. You know, I'm working on. It. I haven't quite gotten there yet. But like, you're to- you're totally right. The international remittances, because if you can remove the friction, the cost, the risk, you know, you're totally right. All of these things, and you know, so Fin serves way out in front. A lot of people are exploring healthcare, but you know, you know, there. You name an industry, and we can walk through a, a use case scenario where you know, there's there's a decentralized competitor or um opportunity uh there you know supply chain's a big one i mean open Bazaar, shout out to them you know full disclosure client they're basically trying to be a decentralized version of ebay because right now ebay or here's a great example since we're talking about politics you may remember a couple weeks ago that there was a whole uh, uprising against shopify because they host a breitbart e-commerce website and they were saying you need to take it down breitbart's hate blah 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 now I don't really care where you sit on the Breitbart scenario, but as someone who believes in freedom of speech, it's problematic for me that you could just shut someone's, take someone's living away when they're not infringing upon your, you know, your personal safety. But you could also see a scenario where Shopify is like, you know what, we don't want to deal with this pressure. So we're shutting down your store. Well, you've just taken away their livelihood. And you may say, well, good for that. I I don't want that. But what open bazaar says is no there's no scenario under which any central authority should be able to shut down your store you're the only person with the key you set it up you can close it down no one else can so that's a totally and then oh by the way there are no fees no commissions either because there's no middleman so you're paying the direct price to the, the the vendor that's a big change and that's just a protocol to allow for that exchange so And that's one example, but there there are tens of thousands of them that are already, you know, underway.
0: Well, let's let's switch gears because I think we get we did a good job of getting everybody. You should be thinking in your business, how does blockchain affect this is something you want to stay in touch on. But I want to go. Remember, I promised a twofer, Jeremy, so. One of yeah. the things you've been so good, you're you are now helping blockchain companies do it, but you've been so uh, effective in helping companies really accelerate. And you're to we're going to have on the uh, website, AES Nation, I'm pointing above because I've got the uh, <laughs> website there. You know, we'll have Jeremy's got a, a great book called 14 Rules for Successful High Growth Marketing. I just want to hit on a couple of them because, I mean, you, you've really made a big difference. And you go rule number one. Is don't confuse activity with outcomes. And I mean, this is one that I take personal because <laughs> I mean, it, it's happened so many times is that, you know, we're, we're, I mean, we're, you know, you can market like crazy It just feel really good about all that activity. But if right. nobody calls, it's not working. I mean, you got to have those outcomes. But what are you talking about here?
1: Yeah, no, I think that that's that's uh, you're you're totally right. I mean, the, the analogy is you say, okay, I'm gonna lose 20 pounds this year, and you're like, all right, well, I went to the gym every single day. Great. Did you lose 20 pounds? No, but I went to the gym every day. Doesn't matter. Your goal is to lose 20 pounds or whatever it is. Like, you have to be brutally honest with yourself of is this working? And you're right, especially because marketing, like, it's so easy to feel good, like, oh, I. I sent an email blast to my audience. I sponsored a booth. I put up all these banner ads or whatever. Like, who cares if it's not driving the outcomes? And marketing's about objectives. Like, what is our objective? You know, I we want to be known as the leading social media management space company in the space. I want to be known as the preeminent mar- you know, marketing uh, consulting firm for blockchain-based startups or whatever it is. Like, that's my awareness goal. Okay, how will you know? you've achieved that goal. Well, if I have a stencil of my face on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. Okay, that's a good, that's a match. Now, do you have a stencil of your face on the Wall Street Journal? No. Okay, clearly you haven't achieved your goal. So you have to say, be brutally honest with yourself. And marketing, you know, it's, it's a discipline. It's like anything else. And most people, because you don't need a degree in marketing, there's no like, you're not doing surgery or whatever. It's easy to sort of be Um, caught up in oh yeah he's a good marketer no if he doesn't drive the outcomes that you're asking for as the CEO then you're not getting good marketing I'm sorry and it doesn't happen overnight but it's the discipline it's the rigor it's the operational excellence it's the rhythm and then you get to do the sexy stuff like the big cool ads and creative stuff but that's the icing the cake's the more important part when you're doing solid marketing so you have to focus on are we achieving our objectives yes no if we didn't it's not working, and we need to try something else. No matter how good we feel about how many emails we send out or what our click-through rate is, if our click-through rate's not turning into people saying "I want to buy from you," then who cares?
0: Yeah, I mean, it really reminds me, Jeremy, of the uh, the old days of the internet marketing where you know we always measured in eyeballs. And I, you know, as a financial guy, yeah. I never got that one. I, you know, right, I just right. couldn't understand it. And yeah, with today's data, there's no problem. You, I mean. You you can measure everything and the thing you can measure all the activities, but it's the outcome that counts. It is. the let's go to your
1: outcome. Exactly.
0: Let's go to rule number two. Uh, Define Mm. your market before you do anything else. I got to tell you, this is one that many people say, but don't do. I mean, you know, it's just it's so easy. You know, we've got 7 billion potential consumers in the world. Right, right. We get all excited and we can go randomly shooting. Well, there's so much noise out there that it it can be a real problem. But how do you help companies, you know, fellow entrepreneurs, you know, really get clear on who their clients are, what the market they're looking to do?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And again, this comes down to sort of the discipline and strength. I was talking to a guy yesterday who – who runs sort of a networking uh, group and he said, look for us, we have to have a certain band of executive. Once it goes below, it gets too tactical. And we do everything we can to hold the line uh, against that because that's where things erode. And he goes, we know who we're for and who we're not for. And there there comes a great, excuse me, a great peace and strength that comes from saying, you're our market. So I say, look, let's, Let's identify what is it that you do – I mean, John, before you and I were talking about in life, it's like that three-part Venn diagram. What do you love doing? What are you good at? And what will people pay you for, right? And business is sort of the same way. Like what is it that you do better than anybody else? Every one of your listeners is like, we do something really well. Who appreciates you know, what you're doing? Who's it for? You know, knowing who it's for and who it's not for it gives you total clarity because as you build your product or your service you're like, "Ah, I'm building for guys like John. John's going to appreciate this because John values this. But Jeremy doesn't appreciate this. So why would, you know, You don't want to get diluted because then you become this plain vanilla average thing and then you're a commodity and who cares? So you have to take a step back and say, like, let's look at our existing customers. Let's look at our strengths. Like, let's look at what we really want to be when we, quote unquote, grow up and then say, all right, this is the kind of person, not just role, you know, not just VPs of finance or whatever, but the psychographic, what kind of like someone who's a risk taker, someone who's risk averse, someone who, you know. And then everything gets crafted for that. These are the kinds of people, you know, at Sprinkler, for example, we were like, we know that the kinds of people who appreciate what Sprinkler is trying to do are what we would call the change agents, right? They're not necessarily a C level executive, they're not a practitioner. And they may not even have direct reports, but what they have is they have trusted relationships with a bunch of different people in different silos. They typically have been in the company for a minimum of three to five years. You know, They might work in marketing, they might work in IT, they're probably in their you know mid-30s to mid-40s kind of thing. And they also, and then we created an entire persona around these people, we called them Zane, right? And we said, here's what Zane does on the weekend, here's where Zane goes to, and then what that allowed the entire marketing team and the entire company to do is say, would Zane like this product? Would Zane attend this event? Would Zane read this? And all of a sudden, it wasn't like me, Jeremy, saying that white paper's garbage. It was, would Zane like this? And then the content person like, yeah, I'm not sure Zane What? You're like, you're right. Okay, let's go back and do it right. And then we wouldn't waste our most valuable thing, which was time and our money behind that as well. So that's kind of how we help you know, refine it down. Who are you for? And being disciplined about saying, I'm gonna build it for you. And that can change over time, to be sure. But at a certain moment in time, here's the kind of person who's gonna love, appreciate us, and become a passionate advocate for us. Because in this world of connected and empowered customers, you have to have a community of people who go out and say, yep, John Bowen is the man, don't call anybody else, call him, don't waste your time, you can thank me later, that's who you want.
0: Well, and that's that's rule number three, that you talk about and I, and I tell you, you know, you're saying it very passionately. I'm going to say it equally passionate because this is, you know, with all the fancy marketing, the email blast. You know, I've got hundreds of thousands of people on my email list. I can blast, or I can go to that one advocate, that yep. one marketing apostle, the raving fan, whatever, uh, you know individual like that and they can make such a difference I mean that yep. you know, I've gotten relationships and you know, engagements of you know, millions of dollars from one person so this is so important but your rule number three let's is build your community of advocates How do you do that because I mean everybody wants advocates we love cheerleaders you know they're great clients that want to you know really bring us to the right audience How, how do we do that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think there, there, there are sort of two guiding principles here. Is Number one is uh, steak, not sizzle. You know, like we all sort of feel good about the sizzle. Like, yeah, I took my client to the football game. That's not value, right? That's nice. I mean, it's fun to go, and I like football as much as the next guy. But, you know, the value is how do you make this person better in their job, in their personal life, whatever it is. Is it real? substantial value. Do you give me something practical that I can use to help me achieve my goals? That's the value of it. Are you delivering that? Is it practical? What have you? Number one. And number two is people like you. Uh, you, w- Everybody wants to be connected with people like themselves. So I want to know, like, you're like, you know what? I would like to talk to other entrepreneurs. I want to talk to other, you know, Financial advisors who work with high net worth individuals to understand how do I serve these people even better if I walk in the room like hey John I can give you advice about financial advice. No, I can't I don't know anything about it, you know I mean I have a financial advisor, you know But I can't tell you about what it's like to work with high net worth individuals who have, you know, half a billion dollars You know, unfortunately I can't but That's okay. You want to be in a room with people who are like you. And if I, as the community manager or community organizer, I mean, think about it. If you look at the last couple of presidential elections, this is the playbook. Obama had a he was a community organizer. He basically said, I'm going to bring communities together and connect them with people like you. So you feel connected to this greater cause. Trump, you know, for whatever feelings you have about Trump, the guy has his own wing of the marketing hall of fame. Right, And he basically said, I'm going to build a community of people who feel the same way and I'm going to create these rallies and I'm going to bring everyone together. Same idea, just connect you with other people like yourself. So the events or the activities, I mean, events is sort of a big way to do it, but the activities are, I'm going to deliver real practical value and I'm going to connect people like yourself. And if you're not one of us, that's okay, but you don't belong here. And we're not going to feel shy about telling you this isn't for you. We're not going to apologize about it. We're not going to be mean about it. But we're going to say, you know what? This is for people who look at this a certain way. Like when I go out bringing blockchain in for a second, when I go out and talk to audiences, corporate audiences about blockchain, for example, I said, look, 90% of you are going to think I'm crazy and you're going to just ignore me and you're not going to pay attention. And that's fine. You know what? I'm here for the 10% of the people who are ready, who want to hear this, who want to be prepared because they, they, they missed the internet in 93. They missed social in 2006 and they have two strikes and they don't want to miss it the third time. And that's fine. You know what? And the rest of you that's fine. I'm really sorry. It gives me more time to profit and learn from it as this thing takes off. That's okay. It'll eventually happen. I'm not for you. I'm for the 10% of the people who are like, I am not going to get my butt kicked when this thing lands because it's coming, you know? And the community has to have that sense of purpose and passion of like, yes, we have a core belief. You have a core belief for your customers, for your clients. I mean, and the people who gravitate towards you have a core belief about what f- great financial advisors do. And you're like, you're right. I'm going to connect you all with each other. I'll give you one last example unless you want me to shut up right now. No, no, this is good. All this right. is so important last example, the application yeah. of it is what's key. Here, here's how you think about community. Very simple. Let's say you invite me to your Christmas party. Thank you, by the way, for the invitation. I appreciate that. So I come to your house and you have you know, 250 people walking around. You probably have a big house. So 500 people walking around the house, right? and you're busy running around making sure the ice is there and the hors d'oeuvres are coming out and the wine and all the stuff that hosts you. But what do great hosts do? They're like, hey, Jeremy, thanks so much for coming to my event. Have you ever met Peter you know you and Peter talk about things like bold and abundance you guys should chat and then you circle around you do that 30 times and you come back. hey Jeremy you should meet my friend John he's really interested in blockchain blah 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 by the end of the evening I didn't even talk to you for more than like two minutes but I walk out of there I'm like wow John has amazing parties I met 10 fantastic people so John has a great event. John builds a sense of community that John is his gravitational center. And I'm like, I want to be associated with John. I'm an advocate for John. You should go to John's parties. You should call John. And all of a sudden, it's not sales you call them. It's marketing they call you. And people are like, John, tell me more about this. How can I be? How can I be part of your network? Oh, it'll just cost you half a million dollars. Welcome aboard, or whatever it is, you know. Yeah.
0: No, and it, and it's and it really is so powerful. I mean, we one of the things we work so hard on marketing all of us. And if we just pay a little bit more attention to building our community and our marketing apostles, our raving fans, uh, look out. That's where it really starts coming together. Let me go to rule four. Ask not what influencers can do for you. Ask what you can do for them. I, I'm in a whole bunch. I spend about 100,000 a year. I'm in mastermind groups. And you can really see who understands this and who doesn't. Right. Because this separates whether you're going to have success in working with other people but Jeremy how how are you using this to help your fellow
1: entrepreneurs Yeah so I mean influencers especially in this world of like million followers on Instagram or Twitter like they sort of are almost like this uh you know magic bullet or like magic elixir that we're like oh if I can just get Peter Diamandis to tweet me out or whatever like then my problems are solved well you and fifty thousand other people have the exact same thought, and Peter is probably tired of getting random email solicitations from people saying, "Hey, Peter, here's my new thing. Can you tweet this out? He's like, oh, I don't want to deal with it. There's no value in it for him. He's a he, you know you wouldn't want to get fifty thousand emails a day asking you to do favors for people, but you barely know. So the way I look as like look, Peter's an influencer, he knows he's an influencer. I know he's an influencer, but what does Peter need? Peter needs things that can help him." propel his vision and his story forward. So he needs stories. He needs evidence. Like all the stories in the book bold, you know, are great stories. Give him a story. It's like, Peter, I saw that you wrote about this in bold. Here's some evidence that we did for a client with my company that supports your thesis. And Peter's like, wow, okay, I can work this into my next presentation. And you do that three or four times. And pretty soon Peter's like, this one guy is giving me value. He's helping me further this. I'm naturally gonna wanna do this. Not because it's like, I owe this guy a favor, but because it helps me, and I'm happy to help him at the same time. But you're, you're, prevent, you're presenting it in a way that Peter's like, all right, I can use this, I can do this, I can tell this story, this, this helps me get the story out better. You're doing this for me, you're not asking me to do something for you. And I think that's how it's sort of like, it takes longer, it takes an investment in the relationship, but it pays off more because it's the difference between a, you know a one night stand and a long term meaningful relationship.
0: Yeah, I mean this has worked so well for me in that you know I've had a couple of influencers because uh, you know they're extremely high profile have come to me and said, John, we should do something together. And the temptation to say, yo, let's go do it. Um, is very high, but you know, I go, geez, there isn't Dan, there isn't anything right now that I see that I can add value that, you know, I can see where you can help me a lot, but let's wait until we can find something that's really good for both of us. And you know, just that, I mean, they're not used to that. It's kind of taken back and, you know, deliver value first. Don't be a taker. It's just, but I want to go rule five and we'll wrap up on this one because this is one that, um, Boy, so many companies, so many entrepreneurs get into trouble. You know, be Mm -hmm. principal in your marketing, but do what's necessary to grow. Right. What is this? this,
1: Yeah. So that's a tough one. Like, I'm a big believer. I'm a disciple of Seth Godin, if you will. And, um, and, you know, he talks about permission marketing, you know. And so – you don't want to just interrupt people's lives like we all have you know ad blockers and DVRs and spam filters like we're obviously all annoyed so the whole way to build these relationships is based on permission but at the same time like you have to get that first level of permission like if I just add Peter Diamandis to my email list and I start spamming him I don't have permission and he's going to block me but I have to get that first bite so for example we had a inside sales team. We actually call them the individual outreach team. And what do most inside sales guys do? They copy, paste, they blast everybody, and they're just playing a raw numbers game. And they're like, if I send out 10,000 emails and five people say I'll take a call, that's worth it. But they're not calculating the fact that 9,995 people now think your company is annoying and a spammer. So I said to my team, look, I want you to research everybody. I want you to treat them as individuals. I want you if you're going to do a cold email, I want John Bowen to know you know who John Bowen is. You know he just sold a house in Florida, you know he loves, you know, snorkeling or whatever it is because you're lo- you're doing the research. It's all out there. And then say, "John, I saw you really love snorkeling, you know, here's this I just saw this picture or whatever, whatever" without being stalker-ish, which sometimes we did cross the line, but I'm okay with that. And basically We would get responses from cold emails from prospects saying this is the greatest cold email I've ever received just because you did the research I want to take the call with your your company I can tell you care about me and I'm just not a name and a number on a list like you care about me as a person like we would write we'd have these really funny ones and people would respond and like our hit rate was phenomenal we grew MQL's marketing qualified leads by 400% year over year because we took this you know we we had to ask for permission we had to interrupt in order to get permission but we did it in a human centric thoughtful way so we had to do what's necessary to grow in terms of reaching out to people who didn't know us, but we were principled in the way we did it, which is we're not going to give up on the fundamentals of marketing that we believe are what um, are required in this world of connected and empowered customers, where attention's at a premium and you know your reputation can be destroyed by someone tweeting about you overnight. We we take that very we took it and I take it very seriously.
0: No, I think that's uh, unbelievably powerful advice, Jeremy. I mean, it's I just see the effectiveness you know, with my team when they you know, th- there's so much information. There's no privacy anymore right, right. on the Internet. Well, and you, we don't want to be stalking, but we want to add value and people appreciate when you're coming to them, when you know that you can help them be even more successful because you've done your homework. And this is where, you know, that big opportunity. Let me go to the next segment, which is resources. And what I want to do here, um, I'm going to pull up your website. And that guy has, that never stop marketing, I don't know if that's you, but somebody's just running really good pace in the (laughs) whole thing. Tell us what's on the uh, website. Uh, I mean, you you are a prolific blogger. I mean, there's a lot of great things there.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, uh, basically, you know, I try to practice what I preach. I mean, the blog... The uh, the fourteen rules of successful high growth marketing. Um, I know we mentioned, or we have. A, I just put out a curated ebook with thirty three of the biggest names in the blockchain world called "Blockchains in the Mainstream" as kind of a primer. All of these are the same effort, which is the way that I am trying to demonstrate my competence as a marketing consultant and as a blockchain industry expert is by adding value, by educating, by sharing, by helping people not feel stupid and not preaching to them, but helping them understand. It's like, hey, here are the 14 things I learned, here's my evidence, and if you're like, okay, as opposed to a one-pager of let me tell you how great my services are, it's here are the 14 things I learned, if you don't agree with them, I'm an idiot. If you agree with them, maybe I know what I'm talking about. You know, so. That's the approach, so everything on the website, now, well, I try everything, I'm sure I fall short like other people, you know, that's, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good, I think is rule number 10, so I can <laughs> understand that. But, um, you know, and, and I blog daily, uh, or almost daily, to try to get these conversations going, and I just want people to think about marketing with a capital M. You know, as we said, marketing—they call you sales—you call them. The idea that you can never stop marketing—it's not something like, oh, let's take two months off to do our planning. No, because that's like you know, starting from a cold—it's a cold start. You don't want that. You have to keep these things going. And how do you build the mechanism? So that's what I try to do. You know, in my with my clients, uh, in my writing, in the speeches that I give to you know various audiences, whatever. It's all about educating and inspiring to say. What is marketing in, in the big sense of the word, not like, oh, we just need to do some banner ads and emails in a booth table or whatever. Like that's tactical stuff. And that can be important. But like you have to think about um, the customer. What are their needs? How are you going to differentiate? And, you know, just try to educate and, and build that community of people who are who are passionate about living the mantra of I never stop marketing. No,
0: and and Jeremy, you do a fantastic job and this has been so valuable. And let me go to last where I want to summarize kind of key takeaways that I'm walking away with. And there's a lot the very first one that flutter as Jeremy and I were talking about blockchain, more Jeremy talking about than me. There should have been a flutter because, you know, it's these hard trends. I mean, I, every time I've had a flutter in business, as you were talking about, you know, I've made millions of dollars. But this is something that's going to make millions of dollars for some of you down the road. But we've got to stay on top of it. We've got to figure out where it meets. Also, I'm going to encourage you like crazy to you know, go to AES station and get the links you know, go to and get the blockchain in the uh, mainstream. There's, uh, what was there, 33 conversations, curated piece that Jeremy put together. And you're going to really walk out with a great understanding. Also, uh, we only had time for five of his rules. Make sure you download the uh, 14 rules for successful high growth uh, marketing. You you can reach out to Jeremy through his uh, 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 website and it is a great resource. Jeremy, thank you again. I want to encourage everybody to go to AES Nation to uh, have all the links because your clients and all these future clients, they're counting on you. Don't let them down. We wish you the best of success. Exceptional, remarkable breakthrough. AESNation.com.